Welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities with Lori Peterson and Abby Weinstein. Lori and Abby spend their days talking about dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and ADHD. They talk to parents of struggling students and adults who have had a lifetime of academic challenges. They want to share those stories along with their own insights with you. So, let's talk learning disabilities. This is Lori. And this is Abby. Welcome to episode number 63 of Let's Talk Learning Disabilities. Today, we have a really special guest. We're going to continue our series on interventions and supports. Abby, tell us who's here today. Today, we have Jake Sussman with us from Superpower Mentors. Hi, Jake. Thanks for being here. Hello there. How are you? We're great. Thank you so much for taking the time out to be with us today. Are you doing well? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for asking. Of course. This is really cool because this is not something we've really touched on. And I'm so excited to share with everybody about what you do um, and hear more about it. But, But before we go down that road, Jake, can you just tell us a little bit about you and kind of what led you to where you are today? Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, so I, hello everybody, again, I'm Jake Sussman, um, and I, my journey started when I was in third grade, and I, it was really weird because I was sitting in class, and I always got in trouble, like, it, it was always like me going to the principal's office all the time, and I was like, I was like, oh, not again, it was either that or the buddy teacher, and for some reason, it all happened during independent reading time. And I didn't really think twice about it until probably four or so years ago when I was looking over my report card in third grade and I saw this analysis of Jake Sussman, right? It was a two paragraph report card and eight of those sentences talked about my behavioral problem, especially during independent reading time. And I was looking at that and I was like, okay, time out because it's saying that. But then at the same time, I loved group work. I loved being around groups and all of my behavior problems came when I had a book put in front of me and my relationship with reading became so toxic during at the beginning of that third grade when I was being thrown out because everyone kept being so focused on my behavior versus I'm an auditory learner. You know what I'm saying? And because we became obsessed with my behavior, I felt now stupid and labeled and that I can't do it. And then that word reading became so painful mm-hmm. that by the time sixth grade happened, okay, we're jumping forward a little bit. I was four grade levels behind in reading, forced to read out loud in class. And I will remember I developed a stutter because I always was interrupted and I would always hear, I heard these kids laughing at me in the back and it was so humiliating. And I was like, but no one asked why they were just like, and that's my behavior just kept getting worse and worse to the point where my parents pulled me out of school. Oh, wow. And in sixth grade without a plan, they had no plan. It was just me being pulled out because at the end of the day, I was not in a safe place. Mm-hmm. Okay. And such a shame. You know, yeah, and I and I had to rediscover who I am as a learner because it was really painful. Um, I developed, um, I had again, I had tics, I had a stutter, I was depressed, I had anxiety, all around what because I learned differently than my peers. Right. 
And so my parents wanted me to be in a safe place. I ended up going to a school for just a year. I repeated sixth grade. And at this time, I had the opportunity of going uh, to a school that specialized in students with high-functioning learning disabilities, okay? Between seventh grade through high school, I went to two separate schools. And during that time, I built my academic foundation with who I am um, and rediscovering myself as a learner. And this is kind of what led to this idea of, you know, when high school, when I wanted to be more confident and I'm starting to branch out a little bit more and finding that confidence, it was in that moment that I was going back a little bit. I was told I would never go to college. So I had this fire of wanting to go to college. Um, but the thing was, was that I was around so many, uh, um, uh, I was in an academic setting that specialized in high-functioning learning disabilities for so long, I was so afraid of going back to be with quote-unquote normal people. Right, right. Um, typical learning setting. I know, I know. So, you know, and again, like I, this journey I went on, I ended up getting to college. Um, and again, we can dive in on this, you know, in any questions that you guys have. But I got into college, graduated from University of Hartford, um, you know, I competed for Team USA in triathlons, um, uh, became a runner. I started my own business and now my, my biggest passion is looking back and you know, helping kids who went through what I went through, um, all coming from a poem that I wrote in college called the forgotten child, which was mm-hmm. about those who learn differently and are misunderstood for how they learn. So in a massive nutshell, that's kind of my story. And now we're helping kids all over the world. So it's so awesome. Don't you want to just like call your third grade teacher and be like, look at me now. Yes. You've gone on to be successful as an entrepreneur and you were able to get through high school and college that you are, it sounds like a a success story. That's so awesome. So you're paying it forward now, huh? We're, We're paying it. We're paying it forward. That's what we're doing every day. And it's, it's funny because, you know, I blocked out so much of my middle school years that I had no memory of it. Okay. No memory of middle school because again, it was so painful and, um, doing this work, ironically working, going back in the trenches with little Jake, I healed (laughs) my younger self. I actually, I actually bonded with my younger self through working with these kids and I healed that side, um, that painful past. Um, so now I have this memory back of middle school and it's a healthy relationship with it, which was something I was not expecting at all. That is awesome. That is great. Yeah. So tell me what, what is superpower mentors? What do you guys do? Okay. So superpower mentors is a, Um, It's a mentoring organization that's designed to connect kids and young adults with high-functioning learning differences from ADHD, dyslexia, and high-functioning autism to a mentor that's in their 20s, that's cool and young and relatable, um, who also has gone through similar adversities that the student is currently going through. And the whole concept is that, look, our world, our society is obsessed with fixing the problem. Mm-hmm. It's obsessed. The mental health industry is a $300 billion industry, but depression is still on the rise. And 40% of U.S. college students drop out of school every year, and 30% of them are freshmen. Yeah. Wow. Like 30% of them are freshmen. So I was like, yeah, this, there's a big problem right now going on. 
Um, so the concept of a mentor is that instead of focusing on that problem, which we're all obsessed about, mm-hmm. we're going to focus on the strengths. We're going to focus on, okay, little Johnny, if you like video games and playing with Legos and also you play soccer, what do all of that have in common? So we look for trends in human behavior and we say, huh, interesting. So if Legos, video games, soccer, I'm curious what kind of positions they play, let's say goalie, well, we now know that this student has likes to be in control because it's them. When you're a goalie, it's your house. You got, you're not relying on anyone else. You know what I'm saying? When you're playing Legos, it's just you. When you're playing video games, it's just you. So kids that like to be in control and then getting that kind of stimulation, we're actually seeing a lot of them have ADHD, right? So we're able to then point and help kids make better decisions based on the trends that they have, um, uh, based on their interests. It's very, very cool. Um, so yeah, go ahead. So the mentors that you connect them with have a similar, have similar struggles. So Johnny ADHD, connect him with a 20 something who's, who's got ADHD and has had some of those same struggles, potentially some of the same interests as well, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. And they just meet each week and sort of, it's not tutoring. It's not coaching. It's more like, bonding and support you know it's funny it's like a tutor can't do their job if the student is so triggered by reading itself right Right. and then a a therapist or a coach can't do their job if their student does not have the emotional intelligence to articulate their feelings so we do those two we're right there in the middle okay so we teach two things one is we ignite the willingness to want to learn like I said, that teacher in that class knows there are at least five kids in that, in that classroom of 30 or 25 that they, that they have a hard time reaching. We will bring out in those students the, the willingness to want to learn. Okay, that's their relationship with pain. Okay, it's right. not that they don't want to learn it. It's not that they're lazy. It's just right. that what is their relationship like with pain? Not physical pain, but emotional pain, right? right? For me, whenever I picked up a book, I literally got a massive knot in my stomach to the point where I felt nauseous. Okay. I don't, I'm sorry. Orton Gillingham is great, but it's not going to work if a student has that kind of pain. Okay. I believe Orton Gillingham hands down. It's an amazing program. Okay. Mm-hmm. Teaching kids how to read one of the best out there, but even that will not work if that student has a relationship with reading like throwing up. <laughs> okay. Right, so right. we will help kids overcome that pain through them seeing that they're A, not alone, but also through navigating and helping them understand what are the words that they're using to tell themselves about it. Like, for example, the word reading, the amount of dyslexics that I speak to that say, I can't read because of my dyslexia. I mean, I I can, it it, it goes way past my fingers, right? So we ask them, is it, can you actually not read or is it something very specific related to reading that is challenging? And most of the time or all of the time, they go from I can't read to it's actually a specific thing. That makes right? sense, right? They they generalize it mm-hmm. and just say, forget right. it, I can't do anything. And it, and it changes the entire relationship with the word itself. Okay, so that's yeah. one. Now we've learned these skills on how we learn. How do I then articulate myself to those that don't understand me? That's self-advocacy. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that's independence. Huge. All right. We send our kids again, like I said, I had the opportunity of going to a private school for kids with high function learning differences. But let me tell you something. There's a big problem out there with these schools because they are failing to teach these kids how to properly communicate, especially when they go to graduation, graduate in the college. Yep. It's a big problem. Right. Okay. So they're not being taught how to communicate to neurotypical people. How do I go to my professor and tell them how I learned or my boss? 
right? Yeah. How do I sit in an interview and say, hey, boss, this is my situation. What can you do for me? Right. Right. To be able to self-advocate for your and own And it takes needs. unbelievable confidence. Can't expect it to happen out of the blue. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Do you spend any time, you know, something that we talk a lot about with parents, helping the student to understand what dyslexia is? Dyslexia doesn't mean that you're not smart. It just means you learn differently, right? And I think especially what we have recognized a lot with ADHD is that, you know, when you start to really understand what ADHD is and you start to have a better grasp of how it impacts you, you're better at advocating for yourself because you better understand what you need. Right, right. And so is, there, actually, is there some education along that lines? Ab- absolutely. I mean, like, again, we don't encourage. So you have to embrace the label, embrace yeah. the thing, but you can't let it really define you. You, you just can't because then we live within the label, like anxiety, depression, ADHD, dyslexia. Again, I believe you have to embrace the label, but mm-hmm. once you let it define you, that label will will define you. you know? So, um, the, in terms of the education around dyslexia and what is a learning disability, absolutely. Like we, we talk about, but less from a textbook perspective, but more so we want to understand, okay, like we do this really cool activity called the vision board where the kid, it's more like a mindset x-ray. All right. And this is how we explain how they learn. Okay, so they do this mindset x-ray where they write down their strengths, challenges, what are their outlets, which are activities they naturally gravitate toward that help them feel in control, what they want to do with their life, and depending on age, superpower, although we all have a superpower, so it's not really depending on age. Um, So in that, though, we're looking at what, again, these words, okay? So again, dyslexia, explaining what it is, but then specifically to the student, what is actually happening? Forget what everyone's telling you. I, I just want to know what's happening. Right. Right. Cause there's what kids are hearing and then they're like, well, that's me. And then there's the, what's actually happening with this individual learner. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So when, well, first of all, what age groups um, are your target audience? Cause I can think of a lot of students that I've worked with or that we've evaluated mm-hmm. that I think could really benefit from having a mentor and getting that, that, that knowledge and skills and support. So what age groups? So because our program is virtual and we do it for a reason, because I'd rather match your child to someone who is literally the older version of them in a different state than someone in your town that has nothing in common with them. And we proved that it, 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 distance is relative once there's relatability. Again, we're not right. a therapist. There's nothing wrong against therapy, okay? And we're not a tutor. Nothing wrong against being a tutor, right? So it's a completely different relationship that these kids have never experienced before. You know what I'm saying? So we find that the youngest that will really understand it is seven. Um, but we find, though, that the parents are another beneficiary of this. Right, because now they're talking to someone who is young in their twenties or so that can speak a language that very few professionals can. True. Okay, yeah. that's why. Look, when I was younger, I went to seven professionals growing up. Okay, none of them heard me. That's the reason why the number one testimonial that we get in our program is that their child has gotten more out of their mentor than any professional they've ever worked with. Right. How is that possible? These mentors aren't have, aren't med- licensed medical professionals from Harvard. Right. Yeah, these are these are these are young adults. They're that relatable. Just, 
Yeah. And I think real. Do you find too, though, that the parents, it's almost like the mentor can help the parent better understand because the child can't put into words. They can't. Yes, 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 absolutely, yes. I'm the oldest in my family. My I, uh, my parents were figuring it out with me for the first time. I wish I had someone that was young and relatable that I can talk to that wasn't just, I love my parents, but wasn't just my parents. Right. And I wish my parents had someone to talk to that wasn't just a, a doctor. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Exactly. So, look, we believe in neurodiversity. So, every, no mind is the same. So, when you think of it like that, like it's not necessarily just a doctor that can provide feedback. It actually is just someone that can speak the language. So the parents benefit from this too, because especially for our seven, between seven to 10 year olds, um, because the kids are looking for much more of like a friend. Mm-hmm. We can't have like sophisticatedly deep intellectual conversations with the seven year old. Although it's funny because these kids blow me away all the time. Right. I had like an eight year old teaching me aerospace engineering because he played Roblox. So like it's oh, just right. <laughs> they just blow you away. But the parents really get a chance to benefit from this. I mean, we will sit on IEP meetings. Like we just become their bridge to whoever they want. Oh yeah. my gosh, I love that. That's I so awesome. I can't imagine this not benefiting any child. Um, you know, seven through, you know, 18 who, who struggle because especially once you get that official diagnosis or it really comes to light what it is, then to be able to connect with somebody who's been there, done that, right. That you can relate to. I I mean, to me, that's just invaluable. You don't feel so isolated. And I think it also probably helps them realize that there's not, necessarily something quote unquote wrong with them Correct. to right. learn that there's other people that experience the same challenges well, or right. that have overcome those feelings and challenges. Right. Um, and how great for them to have a relationship with someone that they admire, they can relate to that gets them, that gets them but that could also be, um, like an an aspiration. Yeah, person. there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope that right. I can that hope, to by it. the way. So that for a lot of these parents, when their kid, when their child gets diagnosed, no matter what age, that path becomes very foggy. Right? They don't know what it's going to look like in a year, in a month. They have right. no idea. And for parents, that lack of control can really put damage on a relationship between two partners, right? Or just with their kids, you know, with siblings, you know? So there's so many friendships, right? There's so many questions now that these parents are going to want to know. So to be able to speak to someone that is either in school, just graduated or in that, that younger age bracket, again, they're getting a different angle. Well, we we get parents all the time of a third or fourth grader that will ask, does this mean they're not going to be able to go to college? Mm-hmm. Right. It's right. like, no, right. not at all. But to then actually, you know, that's just us saying that, but then to actually meet somebody who is in right. college or has just finished college, it's, same struggles. It's like, hope. It's, it's, it's validation. It's hope. But I will tell you again, and I will constantly remind parents this, you can spend $100,000 a year sending your kid to a boarding school that specializes in learning disabilities. It does not guarantee they'll graduate college. No. I will tell I personally have experience from that, from seeing my friends in these schools drop out left and right. Again, yeah. these are schools, 70, 80, $90,000 a year. Money does not buy your kid 
to graduate college. I'm What's the you. number one reason you think that's happening? Is it the lack of self-advocacy or? Kids are not, okay, imagine this. I'll paint the, the picture. First of all, people with learning disabilities, are it's, transitional times are very disruptive. Right. Okay? There are three big transitions in school. Yes, middle school to high school is a transition, but that's not as big as college. Well, it's really two big ones. It's going from high school to college and college to the workplace. Mm -hmm. Okay. Those are the big ones that we see is where all those years you spend investing in your kids all comes at this very moment is that first 15 weeks of college. So what we're seeing as to why, um, there's many reasons. The number one is obviously finances. Okay. But put the finance aside for a minute. Okay. <laughs> Cause everything's so expensive now. The other piece is Look, imagine going into a new place. You've never been away from home before, right? You have to navigate, you know, a, a, a roommate, um, laundry, hygiene, social life, academics. Where are my classes? Where's the dining hall? How much money do I have? Um, um, other stimulations. And on top of all that, I need so much confidence in my own ability and how I learn that I have to walk into that accommodations office and seek accommodations on my own. Right. Can you imagine... How much confidence that takes someone's, I don't blame kids for dropping left and right, especially when they're in these schools that mm -hmm. again are supportive and it's nothing to bash schools like these because I'm, I'm work with them. I came from one of them. It, they work. Right. Okay. It's just this one missing link, which is kids don't know how to properly communicate how they learn to neurotypical Decision makers, mm, right. particularly decision makers, the teacher, the boss, they don't know what to do, especially when you're having to go to a new environment. It's very overwhelming and kids, they get overwhelmed and they drop. I mean, the amount of kids we've gotten in, in freshman year of college that will come to us in October not doing a single homework assignment. Oh, right? yeah. You yeah. Know, we talk to the students weekly that they're yeah. so overwhelmed by all of the demands their freshman year of college, they don't know where to begin. They shut down or Correct. they drop out. Correct. And a lot of those, you know, even at some of the best universities, no matter how much support, support you have and clout, there are large, very, very large freshman courses. So not oh. only are they going through all the things that you just talked about, they're going through with this big right. major life transition. They may be sitting in a classroom lecture hall with 150 right. other students where they're just a number. Correct. So Kids are they have to, like you said, have the, the confidence to take the initiative to go see that professor during their office hours. Right. right. And then throw the relationship with time. Like people don't have a good relationship oh. with time. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, there's so many things that all of a sudden it's like college is so exciting in the adrenaline and the dopamine hit of like going away. College. Right. No curfew. Sudden, <laughs> no curfew, no parents asking questions. It's just, it's so much. So we right. help kids navigate that first 15 weeks, especially the first 15 weeks, is really decision maker for a lot That's of these awesome. kids. Yeah. So then you have mentors that work with kids as young as seven all the way through college. 25 is our oldest. 25? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's good. That's going know. into the workplace. Yeah. So- so you did touch a little bit on selecting the mentors, how sure. you tried to match them with their mentees. So the mentors, are they all college graduates? Like, is that uh, one no, of the No, actually. No, it's not. It's okay. not. Um, 
obviously we have a very intense vetting process. Most of my mentors are college graduates, but some of them dropped out to start their own businesses. We have a mentor that dropped out of college freshman year because he started a business that became huge. You know, now now he runs six companies and he's like 25. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I know we get, I mean, again, we look for what is your relationship with adversity, with your own adversity and your ability to self-reflect and then communicate, you know, like, again, I care less about the degree. I just want to know how well can this person, what's their relationship like with their past, right? Because they're diving back in, Mm -hmm. right? How well can they guide someone from nothing to something to build a relationship with somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and to show that kind of empathy and emotional intelligence. So we look for that. And we also train the mentors this as well. But like, it's really coming down to communication skills. And yeah. So. Is there, there's really not been a limit on how long the relationship, I mean, they probably no. continue on yeah. indefinitely. Yeah. Typically parents will do like, an hour it depends on the age and you know, it depends on where the kids are at in the year. Obviously like the summertime could be less intense, but we have parents that are like, we want you through graduation and they're in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> and know? is it typically once a week they're meeting with their mentors? Um, so it's interesting. It's, we recommend it's an hour a week, but we recommend it further 30 minutes twice a week. So it's more FaceTime because I forgot what I said yesterday. Right. You know, so, so like uh-huh. if we meet 30 minutes, just twice a week, right? One session could be play. One session could be diving in, play right. some video games. We'll chill. We'll like build some Legos or we'll learn how to cook something, whatever it is. It's bonding. And the other one is like, so while we're playing again, it's like, so tell me a little bit about, you know, what do you know about ADHD? What do you know about dyslexia or you know, what, what's it like for you with your friends? Mm, it could yeah. be really anything. Okay. Yeah. I think the That's social awesome. piece is huge. It I think is. that is one thing that nobody ever touches on is how these kids deal socially too. Oh, socially oh, yeah. is tough. Yeah. It's a, beat, it's a that, beating for yeah. your neurotypical kids. So. Yeah. Right. Right. No, but I'll tell you, I just got off when I'd be just, I just went on a mentee with just my, with myself. And he told me after three sessions, he was like, Jake, and this kid is 11. He was like, Jake, I just want you to know and thank you for working with me because I feel so confident walking into school now knowing that I have someone that has my back. Aww. Just the just these kids feeling that they have yeah. someone that has their back gives That's them enough cute. confidence to raise their hand in class. Right. That's oh, huge. I want to yeah. be a mentor. I know. I want to <laughs> be a mentor too. Well, even some kids, you know, can't even get to the school building front door. Yeah. We have those. We have, have so them. many struggles and adversities. Yeah, we got kids them. that are, we have someone that doesn't go to school. Yeah. Just won't, just will not go. And again, it takes a long time. We've had kids that have dropped out of school, dropped out, and they're at home and we help them get unstuck. Because for the first time, we're not talking about all the things that they're doing wrong. Right. <laughs> you know, we're talking about the potential. And yeah. you're not making them do the things that are super hard. Like a, you send your child to a tutor, Ugh. the tutor's typically going to make them do what <laughs> they, more, more right. of what is hard for them to do. Right. That is why we will, can, part of this cool partnership with the family is, let me talk to the tutor. Let me yeah. talk to the teacher. Put me in touch with the therapist. Let's team up. Right? Because the tutor needs me as much as we need the tutor. <laughs> right. How do you communicate 
quote unquote progress with the parent, right? Because the parent's going to want to know how are things going because they, you know, they're going to want to kind of back off. So how do you communicate with them? That's such a great question. I mean, it's a question that I always ask myself because we're really quantifying emotional intelligence, you know, like you can't, it's hard to quantify that. Um, But what I'll say is we meet, first of all, we meet with the parents. The parents can communicate to us all the time. It's unlimited communication in terms of texting, emailing, but the parents get every month, we call it a family matters meeting. And because we know that we're these kids, they love their relationship with their mentor. And with the parents, if we learn, come on, parents, we all know if you're listening to this, that fight right before dinner. Uh-huh. There's always the fight before dinner, right? If we learn how to better reach your child to navigate through that fight before dinner, you deserve to know, yeah, right? Absolutely. Come on. Like you definitely deserve to know a better approach to reach your child. We have that approach. So that's where every month we're going to circle up and we're going to talk about what's been going on. We're going to talk about progress. And again, what we mean by progress is, did we tackle that obstacle we spoke about last month? How close are we from getting to that? And also we launched surveys and stuff. So we have a lot of data, but um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It is hard to measure because it's not. It just depends. We don't have like, it just depends on the need. To be honest. Right. right. And they're going to see the difference in their child. They're going to see their confidence yeah. start to build and their willingness to try these new things yeah. or to attempt other tasks that were right. hard prior. So they're going to see it. Right. So right. I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so awesome. I'm really excited. So, so because you do the mentorships are done virtually, so anybody nationwide or actually worldwide, worldwide yeah. could access your services and, um, get a mentor. And so ages seven to 25. And then is there like a transition period to, uh, kind of end the relationship or is it mm. left open-ended for that's a a, such a, that's such a great mentor? question. That's a great question. Well, it really just depends. Um, like for example, we, it, it just depends. Like for kids that are, we say 25, but to be honest, like we take it by case by case once it gets past 25. I don't want to put oh, okay. a mentor with someone who's necessarily older than them. Right. Um, although I do work with adults personally, um, we don't really have it set up so that our mentors can work with someone older than them. Uh, we like to have it be the mentor comes with a little bit more life experience um, sure. than their mentee. Um, but when it comes to offboarding a relationship, again, we ha- it's all about being transparent, having that honest conversation, and we don't just cut it off. We let the if it's we work it out with the parents. It's whatever the parents and the arrangement the parents want to make. Like, okay. do they want to? We put the relationship first, to be honest. Like, you That's know, once we, what we do, I'll I'll explain. Like, what we tell parents is there's an option for them to do once a month check-ins, and so it doesn't need to be four times yeah. a month. It could be two hours a month. They could be one hour a month. So I yeah. was wondering about that. Yeah. Like maintenance or kind of check-ins. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't need to be all intense every week. Like that's right. the point. Like they'll do like every month, every week for let's say six months to a year, then they can pull back to every other week or once a month. It just depends what they want. Okay. So, that's very cool. Yeah. And then, um, are mentors usually, do you try to keep like males with males and females with females, or is it still just mostly just interest base and 
just trying to find that common thread. Right. Um, we do try to prioritize that, although now it's a little bit more complicated due to kids identifying with, you yeah. know, however they want to identify. So uh, we typically ask the parents, like, what do you feel like your child is most comfortable working with? Um, okay. Some kids like me, I had a lot more friends that were girls growing up because they were just way easier to connect with. But at the mm-hmm. same time, to be able to talk to a someone of the same um identified gender, right? right. Um, that they feel comfortable um, talking to can help them maybe make some different types of friends or whatever. So, but we do try to keep it, you know, look, when kids are going through 11 to 15, that time is puberty time, right? So, time, you know, yeah. for our girls like that are going through their, you know, it's important that, you know, they can ask and feel comfortable asking their mentor about questions that they may sure. not feel comfortable asking their parents. Yeah. Right. I kind of see I love this, that. I kind of see it too is that once the relationship, you know, once the the, the mentor part is kind of done, right? Like they've they've moved on to their job. I almost see this as being like a lifelong friend. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I don't know how you could not want to stay in touch with that person. Oh my gosh, we have kids, we have families that have flown out and met with their met their mentor. Like we do meet your yeah. mentor meetups. Yeah, and then eventually I, the kids could become mentors. You know, because right. we, yeah. we pay them, we pay, them. we pay the mentors. So like, Hey, once you hit, you know, 18, like you technically could be eligible to become a mentor. So, That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that there's a lot of individuals out there that want to maintain connection or communication, at least with their mentor, if they've made right. an impact. So. Right. Well, we need the mentors need the mentees as much as the mentees need the yeah. mentors. Yeah. Like I said, I healed my childhood from this work. Yeah. Aww. You know, so no doubt we got mentors that are inspired to go back to school or like they're getting their degree in social work now. Like it's so cool how this has changed their life. That is really cool. I love, I love the whole idea. And I think it's just such a brilliant, brilliant program that you've developed. And I'm excited to recommend Superpower Mentors to some different clients moving forward. I think that um, it's huge. It's huge. And a lot of people out there can benefit from having a positive influencer in your life and someone to relate to. I feel like Abby and I both grew up struggling. Our Mm -hmm. story isn't much different than yours. Ours was just with ADHD. And I feel like so many times we do this work for the same reasons, right? We want to help kids figure things out earlier than we did and get the right kind of help. But then we're done. And to know that we have someone we can kind of hand them Mm -hmm. off to because I do sometimes like they leave and I'm like, oh, but I want to, I want to know, like, right. I, wa- I think I can help yeah. you. I want to talk to them again. And so just or see how they're doing. Right. Just that, that piece for us to be able to say, you know what, we're going to hook you up with a mentor call Jake. They're going to hook you up. And now we know that they're going to get that connection and that yeah. support because well, that yeah. emotional support's huge. It's yeah. all about them feeling heard and seeing something that none of us felt. That's oh. why the poem, the forgotten child, it's, it's something that launched this whole movement you know, about those who are blatantly misunderstood for just learning differently. And even that word, in my opinion, is politically incorrect because who am I comparing different to? It's, right, being, neuro- right. it's, being, it's being neurodiverse. Right. It's being What's neurodiverse. Mm-hmm. What is no. different? There is no such thing because no mind is the same. No, so, very true. You know? How long does it usually take to get connected with a, you know, if, if we had someone call you today, how long would it take for them to get connected with a mentor? 
Um, well, it depends how busy we are. It depends on availability, but typically same day to give me like three days and I got you. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Awesome. yeah. It just so depends who's available. List or- there's no, there's no waiting list. And that's another thing. Like there's so many big waiting lists now for this, for a lot of these therapists and these professionals out there. Mm-hmm. And again, like I want to preface that these mentors are not medical professionals. Although we do have some mentors that are funny enough. We have some mentors that are licensed social workers um, themselves. Um, but I will tell you that to the value of some of the dollar, so investing in something that, uh, that will benefit a piece of the puzzle that's not being talked about, that will solve the tutor's job. Because again, the tutor can't do their job if the student is not open to learning it. Uh-huh. And then the, the therapy can, or the school, the teachers won't be able to. This mentor now is that solution, whether it's with us or just in general, having a mentor is yeah. so important. No, you're exactly so right. Important. Yeah, right. We, we do. We talk about that too. We talk about that a lot with coaching is that, you know, we can give you all these strategies, but if you're not ready and willing to learn them and take them and run with them, mm-hmm. they're useless. Right. And so and that's exactly what's missing is that right. emotional piece. Right. And that's so interesting because, you know, you, for what you all do, I mean, to be in the space of, you know, being almost like the first, the first word of, Hey, like this is the result, yeah. you know, now, now what? Right. right. A lot of the parents, like I can imagine the feeling of sitting in that car or getting off that phone call and leaning back in their chair saying, Oh my gosh. Right. Now what? The now you what? Know? And we do, Lori and I both think that that piece is very important and it's yeah. crucial to make sure that they feel like they have a path through the now what. So we do spend time, you know, at our follow-up appointments, really talking about next steps and interventions and what is it going to look like in school and what are some supports the school can implement? And then what else is available for you? What are some resources for mom and dad? And then what are some different resources for the student themselves? And both inside of school and outside of school. So this is huge. So this like is this huge. is something I feel like we could we could give every one of our students that we work with because who doesn't benefit from this? Right. 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 Absolutely. Right. We do get families. It's so interesting. Like we get families that need testing that they need they need to understand and get those resources. So we're also very excited um, to be able to send you our families because you know to find an honest uh, testing organization and a one that you can trust and right. one that will not just be transactional, but be emotional right. and sit down and say, Hey, it's going to be okay. Like yeah. this is not, this is not a death sentence, right? Exactly. This is, a, this, is right. this is actually, you, this is actually enlightening. Like your child has something that, you know, look at what's out there. They're going to go through some adversity now They're, they will. Sure. They will go through that pain now, but it's that very adversity which will make them down the road successful. But we just have to line them up with the right things at the right time, and it's going to – we got this. Right. Absolutely. And I think we're all – you know, you, what you do, what we do, we're helping them have hope. Yeah. 
And that's just that's huge. huge. Yeah. Yeah. So I was born on May 4th, which is May the 4th, May be, the with 4th be with you. Okay. So, you know, the Jedi is all built on hope. Hope is in my own name. We're all about hope. Absolutely. You know? That's but again, awesome. You know, it's funny. I, I want to just say one thing, though. It's not just hope, though. It's like actionable steps. Like, you know, there's hope is you can't hold hope. That's true. You can't, you can't touch hope. You can just speak hope. You know, you can just like speak it, but I want to be able to say, actually, let's, let's get on the field and stop talking. Let's start doing right now. Right. We can do that today, right now. That's, that's actionable hope. You know, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, your enthusiasm is contagious. I think that anybody that calls you would be like, "Now we're doing this now." Totally. Like, why didn't we do this yesterday? I wish I had it. I wish I had this growing up. I wish I I had someone that could speak my language. Amen. You know, me too. We get it. We get it. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here today. I could not be more excited about this. I'm excited. And thank you for Superpower Mentors. And if people want to reach your organization, it's www.superpowermentors.com. Yes. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Awesome. Jake, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for how you're helping the kids that we see every day. Mm -hmm. There's so much peace in knowing that as we hand them off to you, great things are ahead. So we're just getting started. So thank you so much for, again, what you all do and um, till next time. Yeah. Everybody, thank thank you you. for being with us. Thank you listeners for listening today and for joining us on our intervention series. If you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to email us at letstalklearningdisabilities at gmail.com or... You can access our podcast website at www.ltldpodcast.com where you can see all the episodes in chronological order or choose by category to listen to episodes. Thank you everyone for being here, for listening. Until next time. Until next time, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us today. In our show notes, you can find information about today's talk, as well as links to resources and other episodes. If you have questions about today's talk, have ideas for future episodes, or just want to stay connected, you can contact us through Diagnostic Learning Services on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So, let's keep talking learning disabilities. This podcast is sponsored by eDiagnostic Learning. You can find more information at www.ediagnosticlearning.com.